Good morning. It's good to be with you again. I'd like to say it's good to see you again, but of course I can't. Though hopefully you can see me, uh, albeit in a pre-recorded form. We live in strange days, days of renewed lockdowns and a measure of confusion as to the advice we're given as to how we should behave and what's allowed and what is not allowed. But in it all, God remains uh, in control. He remains the God who loves us and cares for us, the God who knows the end from the beginning and the one we are called to trust. And it's in that context that uh, we began the series last week in 2 Timothy. And he explained last week of uh, Paul's great uh, affection for Timothy, who regards as a spiritual son. And uh, we, we began that series to help to understand what Paul would want to say to this Christian leader. Uh, I'm picking up today where Andy left off, so we're going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 to 12. I have to say, though, that when Andy first emailed me to ask me to preach on this, he made a, a, a slight typo and actually gave me 1 Timothy 1, 8 to 12. And when I read it, my heart sank. Uh, but then eventually the penny dropped and I realized that Andy wouldn't have stitched me up in that way. Well, I didn't think he would anyway. But thankfully, I was right. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 8 to 12. Let's read it. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearance of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. For those of us who've been involved in Christian things for some time, it's a very well-known passage of Scripture. And I have to say, I was uh, delighted uh, when Andy asked me to preach on it. Uh, also strangely uh, moved by the preparation for this sermon, uh, quite emotional at times. It, it touches on some very deep issues which go right to the heart of our relationship with God. Just setting the context, uh, Paul is in prison. According to the uh, commentaries I've read, it's probably his second time of imprisonment in Rome around the time of uh, AD 66-67. Nero was the emperor and he was a, a, a tyrant. He, he was a, a persecuting emperor. This time, Unlike the first time when Paul was kind of under house arrest and had a large measure of freedom, this time we know he was chained. Many of his friends had left him and he was left with only Luke, a faithful companion. Only Luke was there to encourage him. Paul wrote this second letter to Timothy to ask him to come because he was concerned how the churches uh, that he had established were coping in this time of great persecution. And he wanted to, Timothy to pass on messages to the church at Ephesus, which was so dear to his heart, 
you remember, those of you who know your Bibles well, how emotional the parting was with the elders in Ephesus on a beach some years before. Paul knew he was uh, nearing the end of his life. And if you read the whole letter in one go, you'll see how he's trying to in encourage Timothy. He's telling Timothy to go on with the work, uh, to stand firm. If you read this in one go, you'll discover it a very moving and personal plea. Though Timothy is still a comparatively young leader, this isn't or doesn't seem to be a particular concern for Paul in this letter like it was in the previous one. Paul has known his friends leave him, some even deserting the faith. So he says to Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony or, or to testify about the Lord and don't be ashamed of me in prison. You can sense the emotion here. Timothy, my heart is, is broken over what others have done. Please don't go the same way. Paul regarded Timothy as his spiritual son. Rather, he says, by the power of God, join me in suffering for the gospel. Then he, he reminds Timothy of certain things. And this morning, God would remind us too. Days of marginalisation may well lie ahead for us as the church in this country, and days of persecution too. These words would have us stand firm, and they remind us of why we should. So Paul says to Timothy, first of all, Timothy, stand firm. Join with me in this suffering, because it's God's purpose, if you look at verse 9. God has saved us. God has rescued us from the eternal consequences of our sin. And he has called us to a holy life, a life set apart for him. We're called to be different to the world around us. But, but God has not singled us out because we deserve it. The prime purpose of our salvation is for his glory and his honour and his benefit. God has saved us for his purpose. Paul already described himself in uh, elsewhere as the chief of all sinners in, in the first letter indeed. Uh, we've been saved and called to a holy life for God's purposes. God has work for you to do. God has work for me to do. He has set us apart that we may each fulfill particular aspects of his work. So he says, Timothy, Timothy, please bear with whatever may be coming because God has called you. He knows what he's doing and you are part of his divine purpose. And he would see, say the same to us uh, this morning. God has called you. He knows what he, he is doing. You are part of his divine purpose. Therefore, stand firm, stand firm and trust him. But he also gives to Timothy a, a second reason for standing firm. And it's all about the, this wonderful reality, the grace of God. The grace of God is his free and undeserved favour. According to the book of Ephesians, we are saved by grace through faith. God saves us because of what Jesus has done at Calvary on the cross through his grace we never deserve it. We never deserve his acceptance. We never deserve that he should forgive us. But in grace he does. No one deserves God's salvation. Uh, certainly not Paul. 
Paul, who had so persecuted the church, who had given approval to Stephen's stoning, who had imprisoned many. And yet, not even Timothy, who was a third generation Christian. His grandmother Lois and mother Eunice were real believers. It doesn't matter who we are. It's grace we need. We deserve nothing. This grace, though, Paul says some interesting things about as he talks to Timothy. It was given in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Wow. Uh, now that kind of blows our mind because it doesn't seem to have an immediate impact or relevance to us that, that God's grace should come to us now, yes. But actually Paul is saying this, this grace, this undeserved favour, is a fundamental aspect of who he is. It has been demonstrated in Christ even before creation took place. Now, how that works out and how it was demonstrated, I don't know. But it goes back right to the beginning. And then Paul says, but in recent times, it's been revealed. This grace, this undeserved favour has been revealed through the appearance of Jesus, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. The grace of God has come to us, Timothy. The grace of God has come, his undeserved favour. Stand firm, stand firm. It's not about what you deserve. It's about, yes, his purpose, but also his heart reaching out to us in love. As a result, we're told, death has been defeated and immortality has come to light. Wow, the greatest enemy of all, the greatest enemy human beings face, the, the greatest fear is the fear of death. And Paul says, Timothy, because of the grace of God, death has been defeated. If you want a good read, uh, read 1 Corinthians 15 sometime and just get excited with Paul about all that that means. And immortality, eternal life has, has been revealed in Jesus. It's come to light through the good news God saves us and plants within us the seed of eternity which can never be taken away. Timothy, stand firm, stand firm. This is, this is grace. And Paul tells us that he was appointed an apostle and a herald and a teacher of this news. And, and you can imagine as he writes this, a kind of swelling, not of pride, but just of gratitude. I, I've been asked to do this. I've been asked to, to suffer because of this truth. And that's what he says. He says, look, that's why I'm suffering. I'm suffering because I've been appointed a herald, an apostle and a teacher of these things. And of course, <clears throat> if we remember what Jesus said, we, we can then begin to understand because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 uh, from verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed. And he gives uh, uh, another reason to Timothy why he shouldn't be ashamed. Timothy, don't be ashamed because I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says. Why? Why? Well, 
Paul says it's because he knows the one in whom he has believed. Lots of, for those of us brought up in Christian things, lots of uh, songs come to mind. Uh, I, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The authorised version tends to be what comes to mind. But Paul's saying something really quite fundamental here. He's saying, it isn't that I just know about Jesus. He's saying, I know Jesus. This is the heart of it. This is the heart of what God offers the opportunity to know Jesus, to know him personally, to know him intimately. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because I know the one that I have believed in. I know him. So I want to say to all of you this morning, don't be fobbed off with anything less than knowing Jesus personally. There's a danger sometimes as evangelical Christians that we we manage to get our doctrines all lined up in a row and we try to get the scriptures right and all that kind of stuff. So we, we learn a lot about Jesus and what he has done. And as long as we understand the gospel, we think, therefore, we have responded to the gospel. But the response God looks for to his grace is the response of faith. And that faith draws us into a, a deep and intimate relationship with the Lord of glory. Jesus wants us to know him, really know him, so that we might not be ashamed of the gospel. Also, Paul is totally convinced here that Jesus can guard or, or keep, if you like, uh, what Paul has put into his care. Now, what is it Paul's put into his care? That is his faith, his very life. He has entrusted himself, lock, stock and barrel, to Jesus. Yeah, you think about it for a moment. Paul, Paul's lost everything for the sake of the gospel and yet gained everything. He was a, a Pharisee, uh, well-respected. He had a great career ahead of him. And after he met Jesus on that Damascus road, all that was stripped from him and many of his friends left him and he had to start again. And from being law obsessed, he became grace obsessed and became the great proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he put his trust in Jesus. He'd given everything to Jesus. And he's saying here, look, look, Timothy, I know him. And I'm convinced, uh, the old version says persuaded, which sounds as if he wasn't quite sure and was persuaded. That's not what the word means at all. That means convinced, utterly sure. I am convinced that he can keep what I've given to him until that day, until that great day when Jesus is revealed, when either Paul goes to be with him or Jesus comes back and it's uh, the same for us. Whatever the persecution, whatever the challenge, Jesus would say to us that he will see us through. Many of you will have heard me mention before and talk about before my favourite passage of scripture in Matthew where Jesus walks on the water and then invites Peter to walk on the water. I won't go into in great detail again, but just to remind you of a simple truth, that when Jesus called Peter onto the water, Peter had a choice to make to stay in the boat of apparent safety or get into the water 
of a apparent lack of safety. Yet in reality, once he got out of that boat, out of trust in Jesus, that water was the safest place to be. And even though he began to sink, Jesus did not let him sink because Jesus had called him. Paul is echoing that kind of thought here. I know whom I have believed and convinced whatever pig's ear I may make of things, he's going to keep that which I have committed to him until the final day. And he would say to Timothy, Timothy, uh, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. And, and you can enter this experience too. I know you have, but you can, you can grow in it, knowing him, trusting him for everything. Now, I am no Paul, but I am nearer the end than the beginning of life. Uh, I have more years behind me than I have ahead. Nothing so breaks my heart as seeing those who seem to be walking with God turn away. I've, I've known some. I've had the privilege of baptising people who now aren't where they should be with God. And even one of the major influences on my life as a, a young man now is not where he should be with regard to God and his grace. And that breaks my heart. And Paul is, is, Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, so many have turned away from me and some have even turned to the faith. But Timothy, please, please stay strong. You're so special to me so special to me and i want to say to all you timothys out there and i don't just mean young people though i hope you're listening uh, whatever age i want to say to you stay the course walk every step with jesus there is nothing better there is nothing that life has that uh, can outrank jesus and there's certainly nothing that this life offers uh, that can provide eternal life and the security of of heaven with him only Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. They're very sobering words. But I want to say this morning that Jesus is worth every hardship that the gospel may bring. And there may be some very difficult times ahead for us as the Christian church. There's no doubt now that if we hold to some aspects of Christian morality and clear teaching, it, it will likely close doors to certain kinds of occupations uh, that Christians may want to follow because we don't tick the, the right boxes that society finds appropriate just now. But whatever comes our way and whatever God allows across our pathway, whatever hardship, and in Paul's case, the hardship was extreme at the time, the gospel still triumphs. Paul's not ashamed of the gospel and nor should we be. He has given us his grace. He has suffered and died for us. His love is greater than any other and life is only only found in him yeah so then i want to say to all of us this morning don't be ashamed of the gospel 
or of those who are suffering in its cause. As I said at the beginning, this letter is in many ways uh, a, almost like a, a final letter of Paul to Timothy. Oh yes, he, he wants to see him, but he's not at all sure that he'll ever be able to because he doesn't know how many days he has left. And I, I wonder uh, if you've ever thought your days were coming to an end and, and written a letter to somebody you love uh, in case they did. But that's what this kind of reads like. And and I wonder if if you were to write now what you would like those who come after you to know, what would you write about? My hope and my prayer is we would want to write about Jesus. We'd want to write about the gospel of grace. We'd want to stand firm and say to others, you stand firm too. Don't be ashamed. Let your light shine before other people. Let the light of the glory of God pour from you. And even if that puts you in a really difficult place, know this, it's worth it. God has set us apart and made known to us his eternal grace in Jesus Christ. Whatever it may cost, he calls us to stay true to him. A thousand times over, it's worth it. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of those who are suffering in its cause. Why? Well, because of God's purpose. He is working out his purpose. Sometimes we may get the impression that the, the world's out of control or, and God kind of lost control of what's going on. He hasn't. The fact that we can't understand it, the fact that we can't get a grip on it is neither here nor there. God's purposes will prevail in all things and it's God's purpose for your life and my life which matters more than anything else, more than any ambition, more than any hopes. It's what honours him and brings glory to him that matters. And also he has set us apart and made known uh, to us his eternal grace. Uh, all these things God has given us and we don't deserve it. And the right response to that is to say, Lord, thank you. Here's my life. Here's my offering to you that I would walk with you wherever that leads. Whatever it costs, whatever it costs, wherever we may go, stay true to him. Stand firm. Stand firm. How this world needs to see believers in Jesus Christ standing firm. And one final thing I'd say uh, this morning, in a sense, by way of testimony. It's not that Paul was perfect. Uh, he made mistakes like everybody else does. And it's not that Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, you get to a stage in life where it doesn't matter what comes your way, it's easy to stand firm. He's saying, look, this is a battle. This is a battle. And elsewhere, of course, he talks about putting on the full armour of God that we may fight the battle that God calls us to. But for me personally, I'm grateful to the grace of God for rescuing me again and again, for bringing me back to that point uh, continually of being with him. 
And my plea to you, and the reason I guess I found this quite an emotion, emotional passage of Scripture, my plea to you is please never turn your back. However much you may not get it right, always turn back to him. Always return to him because he is worth it. His love for you is beyond the love of any anyone else, any other kind of love. And he looks to us, to each one of us. To stand with him, to rejoice in his goodness, and to make clear that the gospel, the good news of the grace of God in Jesus Christ, is there for all who would hear it. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you do know what you're doing. Thank you that you haven't uh, abandoned us and that in our time of need you are always there. Thank you that you have called us to serve you for your purposes, that every one of us is precious to you and you have particular work for each one of us to do and to help us to walk in that. Thank you for the grace that you have shown us in Jesus Christ that existed even before the beginning of time and thank you for pouring that grace into our lives, that undeserved favour that we might be called your children. And thank you, Lord, for the example of Paul who could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I know whom I have believed. Lord, thank you that we too can be convinced, as we know Jesus, that you are able to keep what we've entrusted to you. Would you please keep us faithful? Would you please keep us strong and whatever the future may hold? Would you please keep us close to you and honouring you in all that we do? In Jesus' name. Amen.